0: Hi, I'm coming to you from an empty field, but this is totally the exception, not the rule. Seven days a week, hundreds and hundreds of kids, dozens of families call this place their youth sports home. And we are so happy to have you here. We love being your hosts. We love the fact that you're at Grace Chapel having fun, laughing, playing together. You know, every time... I'm out here and seeing kids just goofing off, learning, and having fun. I'm also reminded that all over the world there are millions of kids doing the same thing, but sports are an international language. And I know that all I have to do is throw that ball onto the field, and kids are going to have fun and kids are going to play just like you guys. We are so glad that you're here. Welcome to Youth Sports Sunday. Uh, You'll notice that we spelled it S-U-N-D-A-E, and uh, sorry about your luck, you first service people, but uh, (laughs) if you want to stick around or come back, we're having an ice cream Sunday bar right outside this door uh, after second service. And so uh, maybe this will just be fun and cool enough that you'll want to stick around and have ice cream for lunch. So all of you kids... Tell mom and dad, I want ice cream for lunch, and I want it today. Please let me stay in church. (laughs) But Youth Sports Sunday. Um, That video was uh, pieces and bits and pieces of a promo video of a thing called uh, Kids Games. Kids Kids Games was created by a friend of mine, um, a Kenyan friend, in 1990, uh, part of this project called More Than Gold in the Sports Coalition International leading up to the Olympic Games in 92. And uh, their very first event was held in a stadium in Cairo, Egypt, and 10,000 children showed up for kids' games and heard the gospel. And it was, from that, it just exploded all around the world. And we're actually this summer going to do a kids' games style camp over in our facility. But uh, I just thought I would tease you a little bit with that. Um, you know, pressure, performance, this is March Madness, right? Who's March Madness fan out there? I mean, I can't, I cannot turn the TV off during March (laughs) Madness, but the pressure to perform motivation, high intensity, competition, fear, excitement, disappointment, adrenaline, all of those things come together together. Day after day after day in our country, week after week, that intense drama is played out on our fields and courts all across our country, all across our world. And athletes every day have to answer some really tough questions in their life What happens if I don't perform very well? What happens if the coach doesn't like me? What happens if I don't make the team? Will I still be liked? My future depends on my performance. And that intense drama is played out over and over and over again, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. But such is the life of our college and um, professional athletes, right? But we're not talking about professional and college athletes this morning. We're talking Mm -hmm. about our kids. And that same thing is playing out in the life of our children every week, every day, every month. You know, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, and I'm, I'm starting to really, really feel my age, But when I was growing up, you kids out there, we didn't have choices like that. We played outside. We used sticks and balls and sleds and bicycles, and we just played outside. And then at some point when we were in third or fourth grade, um, some towns, some of the larger towns, had little league that we could join <laughs> We could experiment around with that. And then we waited until junior high school, and we we went out for the junior high team. And I was fortunate enough to spend junior high and early high school out in western Kansas of a class of 25 people. And so every boy had to go out for everything in order to even field a team. And so there was no such thing as getting cut from the team, right? Yeah, every boy, you just played, and, and we had fun. But nowadays, it's completely different, isn't it, you guys? I mean, from the age of five, we we experience it over here. You experience it driving down the streets of Mason, Westchester every single day from the age of five years old or even younger. Sometimes our kids can play football, basketball, soccer, T-ball, baseball, swimming, lacrosse. On and on and on. And for those families who the parents or the kids are not really all that interested or inclined towards sports, the same drama plays out in drama, in theater, in band, and the 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 list and the litany
1: of things and choices just go on and on and on. And being a you know we're we're going to kind of tag team this morning, but being a kid today is 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 significantly different than being a kid when, when I was growing up. Now, I'm not going to stand here this morning. Either one of us are going to tell you whether it's good or bad. It, it, it's, just, it's just different. Some of, the, some of this new reality is, is really positive. You think about it. So what do you learn when you're on a team? You learn things like you know, teamwork, you know, dedication, respect for authority, overcoming adversity, now, these, are, these are pretty good things to learn. There's so much you can learn on a team about, you know, about pulling together and how you, how you deal with, with difficult situations and commitment. Those are excellent things that we can learn from being a part of a team. Now, there's some other things, on the other hand, that are harmful. Maybe sacrificing family time. Um, you know, we all know what that's about. The stress. I mean, I, I, when I was a youth pastor, especially, I would hear this all the time, the amount of stress that uh, a child can be under with having so much on their on their plate, you know, the difficulty of maybe just uh, losing some personal time, just free time. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm 49. I'll soon be 50. And I remember just as a child, just being able to lay on the grass and and stare up at the, you know, at the stars when I was when I was younger. And I didn't sometimes I had nothing to do. And it's nice to have nothing to do. You know, there's also the risk of being a disappointment in in a person's eyes. You know, they they have to work so hard. And, you know, some some parents will try to live vicariously to their children. And so the children are afraid to be a disappointment to their coach or to their their parents. So that's a stressful situation. You know, our, our kids are introduced at a very, very early age to a heavy dose of winning and losing. That's really what it is. It's such a heavy dose of, you know, win or, you know, I don't want to lose. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to give each of the the kids here, students, we want to tell you a secret, okay, a secret that will really change your life. It's an incredibly powerful secret. In fact, it's so powerful it can last the rest of your life. And that secret is how you can never lose again. We're going to teach you how you can never lose again. All the pressures, all the teams, all the things you'll be under. You all know what a high five is. We all give each other high fives. You, know, you see it all the time. What we want to tell you this morning is that if you'll do these five things that Kevin and I are going to talk about, if you live out these five things, you will never, ever lose again. You
0: know what a five high five is, right? Show us. Give, give the person next you. to you a high five. <laughs> all right? That's so, that, was, that was extraordinarily lame. He, uh, he, he leaned over there and he went... I don't know what that was, but that was not do a high five right now. Come on, there you go. A little tiny bit better. We all don't want to lose either, right? We don't like losing. Like Jeff said, if you pay attention to these high fives, if you do them, you will never ever ever lose again. High five number one says, "Do your best." It doesn't matter what it is that best. Do your best. There's a scripture in Colossians. Colossians 3:23 it says, "Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart, as if working for the Lord, not for men." Whatever you do, in sports whether you're kicking a ball, batting a ball, tossing a ball, shooting a ball, making your bed, raking the leaves, whatever it is, God says, "I want you to do it to the very 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 best of your ability." All the time as if you're doing it for me. And that's real key there. It says not doing it as if you're doing it for man. The problem with doing things for man, woman, whatever, coach, parent, friend, is that sometimes you're feeling good. Sometimes you're feeling bad. Sometimes you like your coach. Sometimes you don't like your coach. Sometimes your mom's having a bad day and sometimes your dad's having it goes up and down and up and down when I'm working. My motivation is wrapped around how I want to please somebody else. I'm always going to be in that up and down cycle because those people are not always going to be dependable, right? When your coach tells you, okay, we're going to do 100-meter sprints here. We're going to do 10. He's staring at you with the stopwatch. What What are your first two or three like? Oh, I'm going to bust it. What? then the the assistant coach comes over, they're talking, they kind of turn their backs, they're talking, what are your next two or three like? When we're working as if we're working for men, that doesn't work. Let me tell you a funny story. My staff group was talking about this, uh, this goes back 15 years or so. We were talking about this very issue, so we were challenging each other to do our very best as if we were doing it for the Lord. And so we decided, well, we're going to test each other, walking through the halls at our desk or whatever, we're going to ask frequently during the day. As unto the Lord, and we would have to answer that question. Yes, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Well, that started to be a little bit too long to say, and so some of us abbreviated A U T L as unto the A U T L as unto the Lord. So we'd say, Hey, A U T L, yeah, A U T L. Well, I decided that that was still kind of missing something on the end, so I added a B onto the end. Baby, are you doing it as unto the Lord, baby? A U T L B. Yes, I'm doing. it. Well, we did that, and that was a lot of fun. Well, in that same time period. A friend of mine was uh, with me going to organize a triathlon workout group at the Y on Friday evenings. And so we were trying to decide uh, what to call it. I had started signing all of my emails and my letters, A-U-T-L-B, and then just waiting for people to ask. And then I'd tell them, funny you should ask. Let me tell you the story. A-U-T-L-B, as unto the Lord, baby. Well, that went on for a long time. Lisa and I were planning this thing at the the Y, and I wrote her a letter about how I would like to organize this club, and I signed it, A-U-T-L-B. Well, I got home, I sent, that was the only, that was the time where you actually put the letter in the mailbox and sent it. Well, like three or four days later, I get home, there are five messages on my telephone answering machine at home. Beep. Hey, this is Lisa. What's A-U-T-L-B stand for? Beep. Hey, this is Lisa again. I think I know. I think it's always... Under. No, that's not it. Beep. Hey, this is Lisa again. I know. I think I really know. It. And she tried like five or six times the last one. Beep. Hey, this is Lisa. One more time. I have it. It's Abba, Abba, Tubba Lubba, Bubba. <laughs> so we called our triathlon club Abba, Abba, Tubba Lubba, Bubba. I want you to say that with me right now. OK, Abba, Abba, Tubba Lubba, Bubba, Abba, Abba Tubba Lubba, Bubba, as unto the Lord, baby, do your very, very best all the time.
1: And and kind of piggybacking on that one is uh, the second one of the high fives is be yourself be yourself In psalm 139 13 and 14. It says this for you created me in my inmost being listen You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful I know that full well See each one of you if you don't know this is created in the image of God with unique gifts and talents And see, if you try to be someone else, if you try to be someone else, then basically you're cheating everyone. You're cheating the God that created you, the God who created you unique with those gifts and talents. You're cheating the people who love you. Because the people who love you are the ones that matter. The people who don't love you, they're going to want you to be someone else, and they they don't matter. They don't count when it comes to who you are. But you're cheating the people that love you, and you're cheating yourself. And also, when, when, when you try to be something you're not, you just become, listen, a cheap imitation of the original design that God laid out. God designed you. And when you try to be something else than what you were designed to be, you just become a cheap imitation of that. Listen, the reality is you, just, you need to be yourself. That's the end, of the end of the story here. Because everyone else is taken. Right? Right? You need to be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And if you think. Listen. If you think I want to be like that person. And you think about this. Uh, everybody else here is trying to be like someone else. If you're trying to be like that person, everybody else is trying to be like someone else. And you're trying to be like someone who doesn't even know who they are. Right? Everyone wants to be. I want to be like this. I want to be like that. You're trying to be someone who doesn't even understand who they are. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, you know, what? here's the reality, uh, Pastor Jeff. Uh, I don't really like myself. There, how do you like that? I don't like myself. I have a lot, I have a lot of weaknesses. You know, I have a lot of flaws. How, God's gonna, how is God going to really ever use me? Well, I was I was studying this last week, I, I found a story, and I want to read you the story. It goes like this. It says, a 10-year-old boy decided to study Judo despite the fact that he was born without a left arm. The boy began lessons with an old Japanese judo master. He was doing well, so he couldn't understand why, after three months of training, the master had taught him only one move. Sensei, the boy, finally said, shouldn't I be learning more moves? This is the only move you'll ever need to know, the sensei replied. Not quite understanding, but believing his teacher, the boy kept training. Several months later, the sensei took the boy to his first tournament. Surprising himself, the boy easily won the first two matches. The third match proved to be more difficult. But after some time, his opponent became impatient and charged. The boy used his one move to win the match. Still amazed by his success, the boy was now in the finals. This time, his opponent was bigger, stronger, more experienced. For a while, the boy appeared to be overmatched, Concerned that the boy might get hurt, the referee called a timeout. He was about to stop the match when the sensei intervened. No, sensei said. Let him continue. Soon after the match resumed, his opponent made a critical mistake. Instantly, the boy used his one move to pin him. The boy had won the match and the tournament. He was the champion. On the way home, the boy and sensei reviewed each of their matches. Then the boy summoned the courage to ask, What was really on his mind? Sensei, how did I win the tournament with only one move? He said, you won for two reasons. First, you've almost mastered one of the most difficult throws in all of judo. And second, the only known move, the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. See, listen, guys, this is important. And whether you're an adult or, 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 or the students here, listen, it doesn't matter if you're great at everything. I've become an expert at this. OK, I learned this. It doesn't matter if you're the best at everything. You just need to use what God has given you. You have to use what God has given you to be the best that you can be. I'm going to say that again. You don't need to be the best at everything. You find out how God has gifted you. And you become the best that you can be. So why is it, the question is, why is it that we don't become the best that we can be? Why is it some people never achieve what God has for them? Well, it leads us to our third high five. Our third high five. Fight fear. Fight fear. And so many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, But God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love and of self-discipline, a spirit of power. So why is it that sometimes we don't live out that, that spirit of power? I think what happens in life, you go through experiences, especially when you're younger. That's why I want you to get this. When you're younger, you go through experiences that cause you to live a life of fear. When I was growing up, Um, I moved to I moved to a different school from kindergarten through sixth grade now imagine this if you will So every year I went from kindergarten one school in a different state first grade second grade different school different school different school After a while you're in different schools And you begin it's difficult as a as a as a new kid in school to make friends And after a while, you kind of get a little nervous and you kind of go in the background because you don't want to stand out because if you're a new person, you get picked on. And I I wanted to avoid at all costs getting picked on. And so I, you know, I I got I I became fearful of new situations, trying anything new. So when I was 11 years old, we finally ended up in New York. I'd lived there before we moved to Virginia, moved to New Jersey, moved to different places. Finally, at 11 years old, moved back to New York. We lived in an apartment complex. The good thing about the apartment complex is that everyone in the apartment complex loved to do one thing, which is play sports. And they loved more than anything else, all the guys, to play football. This is a football. This football is older than most people in this room. Okay, I I got this in like seven or eight years old. I'm 49, so you can tell how old it is. The reason it's like this is because this these are this is a shoelace because we kicked the ball in the shoelace. The the laces blew out of it, so I took my shoes off, relaced the football with my shoelaces, and played my bare feet and uh, did that for a while. And then uh, one one day we kicked it and the the bladder broke, and that was the end of the football. If anybody's good at knowing how to fix this, I'd love it because I'd like to use it with my son. Um, but this ball and so we play football all the time. We play football from sun up to sundown And when in in the summertime and in the wintertime we played until it got dark and wherever we could play We just we loved to play I I for one did not like to hang around with anybody in school who wasn't from my apartment complex Those that was my safety people. I loved them. They cared about me. We loved each other We stuck together and I remember going to gym class anybody's like you guys have gym we used to have gym. And I'll tell you something. You didn't want to see me back in 1978 and nine with a pair of shorts on, those shorts that come up with a little slit in the side my little bird legs. It was kind of it was scary. Uh, that was torture. I think that's child abuse, you know what I mean, putting kids in those gym outfits or whatever. So I went to the gym class, and, um, and uh, we were playing. A teacher said, okay, the, co- the coach, the, uh, the gym teacher, who was a coach of the football team, said, oh, I'm going to break this, this, the class up. You guys are in one team. You guys are in another team. The the gym teacher had been, uh, recruited by the Houston Oilers. He, he got drafted, which is now the, what the, um, uh, yeah, Texans, um, uh, Titans, right? Tennessee Titans. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, so he got, he got drafted by the Houston Oilers back then. And, uh, he was a great quarterback and he said to me, can you catch now? I, I, I grew up like holding this football, and I could catch, and so I said, "Yeah, I can catch." And he kept on saying, "Go long, do this, do that." And he just was like pigeon and catch the whole gym class. Well, afterward, he said, "You got to try out for the football team, high school football team." And I was like, "No, I don't think so." And the reason I didn't think so is I didn't know the people on the football team, and I was afraid to be in that group of people I didn't know. I was uncomfortable. And then he called my mother for two years and bugged my mother for two years to try to talk me into playing on the high school football team. But I refused because I was nervous. I didn't want to be around people I didn't know. I, got, I came to Christ my senior year, second half of my senior year of high school. Started going to church, gave my life to Christ, and I had a spirit of power. All of a sudden that spirit of fear was wiped away and I received a spirit of power. And I wanted to go out for the team, but you know what? It was my second half of my senior year and, and football was over for me. I regretted that. All of my Christian life, for 20 years of my life, I regretted that. And so I was actually, so I was 38 years old, and I'm standing out here on 42, and the, the uh, Mason Heritage Festival, and they're doing the parade, and, and uh, all walks by uh, a football team, the, the King's Comets semi-pro football team. And I thought to myself, I wonder how you can get on the King's Comets semi-pro football team. I want to try out. I'm 38 years old, but I, I I'm still regretting the fact that I never tried out because I was afraid to try out for the team So I found out they were trying out at Miami University went to Miami University uh, With my pair of sneakers everybody had like a different pair of shoes for everything they were doing I had a pair of sneakers my sweatpants and a t-shirt Deb came up with me. I think one of the girls was with me too. I think it was Kim and I went and I tried out I signed my name and they said are you gonna be here to be a coach and I? <laughs> I said, no, I'm trying out. And they, they smiled at me and said, okay. And then we went in there. And, but I'll tell you, here's what happened, guys. I signed my name and I was free. It didn't matter what happened after that. I was trying out. I got that monkey off my back. That regret off my back, but I wanted to go through I was a little nervous. I'd never gone through all these tryout things So I went in there and uh, I, I was I was trying out for the team and they first they had first thing You had to do was you had to bench 225 as many times as you could Okay And the first the guy in front of me breaks the team record and I'm like lord god I don't want to look like a sissy. Okay, please please I got it four times, two by my strength, two by the strength of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how I got it four times. But I was just like, yeah, I walked out there like, yes! Uh, so I go up, so I, I, I make it through that. And then you had to go run, you know, a square, you, know, you run forward, you run sideways, you run backwards. I fell down running backwards cause I was trying so hard, but I fell down, but I'll admit it. Um, and then it came to the offensive drills. Thirteen guys on a line in front of me and guys behind me quarterback, coach, quarterback, in a gauntlet. You had to run through, you had to catch the ball, tuck it, and then drop it and turn around because the guy had already thrown the ball. The first 13 guys through it looked like a pinball machine. They were getting hit by balls, trying to run through and not get it. T- and I thought to myself, this is like riding a bike. I can do this. God's given me a spirit of power. I can do this. I don't care how old I am. I can catch a football. So I ran through, I caught two out of three, two out of three, and two out of three, broke these two fingers because the guy threw the ball behind me, okay, and I didn't want to let it go, but I went back for it. It was the best breaking fingers you ever had in your whole life, the greatest feeling ever, okay? I couldn't get my ring off for, for months, but who cares? So I went through the whole thing, packed up, went home. Wait, I was running the 40-yard uh, dash. I ran it in five flat, and I was very proud, okay, I was 38, it's not pick on me. I went to my wife and said, Deb, how did I look? And she said, Run for us, run! I was like, it's like, <laughs> I, hey, I went out with the team. I'm sitting at my desk as a youth pastor, minding my own business, and now phone rings, I get a phone call, and it's basically the Kings Commons football team that offered me a position on the team. So I made the team, okay? Yeah, yeah. I made the team. But God did not give me a spirit of stupidity either. So I immediately retired, okay? I called the press conference and all the students and everything. I I had the whole thing set up, all these students, and I retired, and I became the chaplain of the football team. That was my job. I became the chaplain. Because every lineman who weighed 300 pounds could outrun me, and I wasn't going to get hit by any of those. Mama didn't raise no dummy. So I became their chaplain. But listen, you cannot allow fear to stop you from doing What God has called you to do. You guys can't let fear from going out for the play or going out for the team or going out for whatever. Don't let fear stop you from doing what God has created and designed you to do.
0: All right. Remember, remember when we started this off. These are lessons. This is the secret to never, ever, ever lose again. Do your best. Be yourself. Fight fear. High five. Number four is to be a mirror. As opposed to being a sponge. What does a mirror do? It reflects. It reflects right. What does a sponge do? It soaks up. My, my dad made for my daughter when she was real, real tiny um, this miniature sized um, rotating like stand up mirror that's, that, that you can angle. And I, I picture that every time I think about this, this topic. And I, on my way here, I was like, oh, man, I should have brought that great prop. But be a mirror. God wants us to be a mirror. A mirror reflects. Now, if I had that mirror up here and I I put it at a 45-degree angle, actually did it like a 45-degree angle here, and you were looking into that mirror, what would you see? Right, you would see the ceiling. And if I was on the ceiling, of course, I would see you. Be a mirror. God wants us to be a mirror, reflecting. As God gives us gifts and abilities and talents and interests and things that we're good at, a sponge would soak that up and say, hey, yeah, I'm the man. I can I, I can bench to twenty five four times. I'm the man. Right. <laughs> a sponge would do that. A mirror <laughs> reflects those abilities out to bless the people who are around us when you're on a team. When you're in a drama core, when you're in the band core, when you're in whatever, and God gave you. Remember, we started out this whole thing that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God did not make no junk. Mm-hmm. He made you on purpose and he did it for you. He wanted you. He didn't want you to be somebody else. He wanted you and he gave you those abilities and gifts from above. And we are to reflect those out to bless the people that are around us, our teammates, our family, our coworkers. The opposite is true then, right? As we get accolades, if we get applause, we get recognition, and people are saying, hey, good job, good job, good job. Well, a sponge does what? Soaks that up. Yeah, thank you. I'm the man. A mirror reflects that up and says, well, Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you for that. But the only reason I'm able to do this was because God gave me this gift, and I want to honor him. Be a mirror and not a sponge. Lastly, high five number five. And it actually should be number one, but high five number five says, trust God. You know, we can say all the time that we need to trust our coach, and we do. We need to trust our parents, and we do. But most of all, we must, we must trust the one who created us. And after all, God created sport, right? God created fun. God created laughter. God created our bodies to do the things that we do. When we're active in these kinds of sports and other activities, God created us. We must learn to trust the inventor of all of that and trust the creator. You know, I uh, in my competitive life as a triathlete uh, over 25 years or so, I learned very, very soon and very, very often the importance that people put on winning and losing. It's so dramatic and it is so dramatic the you, people don't even have to put, open their mouths to say you are worth something because you finish first or you are worth something because you're in the limelight. I'm willing to listen to you because you finish early on in the race. And it's so obvious that people put so much importance on that when you, when uh, in a triathlon and marathon and 5k, whatever it is, when you cross the finish line. No matter no matter what kind of race it is, the very first question that somebody that you meet in the parking lot says, well, how'd you do? It's the very first question. How'd you do? I, uh, I had some fun for several years and it was because of this lesson. And I would say when whenever any somebody would say, well, how'd you do? I'd say, well, I won. And they would say, well, you know, what'd you get for winning? And I'd say, well, I won because I tried my best. I won. It was the best race of my life because I really, 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 really tried hard, and I pictured God the whole time. Therefore, I won. I may not have crossed the finish line to broke the, break the tape, but I won because I did the high fives, and it was just interesting to see people not know how to respond, <laughs> and I just kind of liked it because it made people nervous and uncomfortable, <laughs> and that was fun for me. I won. <laughs> You can do that. You can do that. Next time somebody says, well, how'd you do? I won. If you paid attention to the high fives, you know, it's all about how we define things. Mm -hmm. It's all about the criteria that we use when we said this lesson will help you never, ever, ever lose again. Well, if your criteria, if the things you base winning and losing on is coming in first place, having the highest salary, having uh, being the starter every single game scoring the most points, if you base winning and losing on those things, you're always going to be disappointed. Never, ever are you going to be up here all the time. But when you base winning and losing on the right things, it's all about how you define it. You know, at home, Kim says she gives me the business all the time and she says, hey, what are you doing wearing that? That doesn't match that. You know, I'll go to the Y or whatever and she'll say, oh, I can't believe you wore that. And I'll say, What do you mean it doesn't match? You women folk are so (laughs) narrow-minded on your matching criteria. I mean, there are a thousand different ways that something can match. And the only one that you can think of is the color part, okay? This matches. These are my favorite pants. This is my favorite shirt. Favorite, favorite, therefore it matches,
1: okay? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen.
0: These shorts were on the top of the pile. This shirt was on the top of the pile. Top of the pile, top of the pile, match. I could I could go on and on and on and on. It's all about the criteria. I'm the same way with food. Somebody says, "Hey, that was 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 it good food at that restaurant?" And I said, "No," because it was expensive. It's all about the the good food to me. Price per volume. Okay, so if it was free, it was awesome. Presentation, color, taste, freshness, irrelevant. It was free. It was good. It's all about the it's all about how we define things. When you define things the way God wants us to define things, we can be a winner every, every time. When I define things the way the world defines things, I can end up losing every time. Even if I cross the line first.
1: And we want to we just more than anything else, we just wanted to say that to each one of you, you know, especially the students here, that you guys are unique. I mean, I want you to think about this. I want to say this again. You are uniquely created by God. To do something specific in your life. To be, to be good at something in your life. God has, God has created you for a specific purpose. And we don't want you spending your life worrying about what somebody else thinks you should be. Whatever somebody else says you should be. Somebody else says you should be doing. or How you should look or whatever else. Don't wait. S- sincerely, don't waste your life worrying about what someone else says about you. Instead, focus on how God has made you and His plan, His plan for your life. He's the only one that matters. I know it's so hard, easy for me to say up here at my age and really hard for you to live out in school. But let me tell you something. Go back to some of the stories that we're telling here. You waste so much You'll regret so much of your life if you waste it worrying about what this person or this person or that person thinks. Focus your attention on who God's created you to be and the plan that he has for your life. And invest all your time energy into that. And then you will be successful. You will have all that you need. You know, when you came in for the students, for the kids, you were given those, uh, those little bendy things And you first came in and you think, what on earth is that about? All we want you to do with those is we told you some stories today, different kinds of stories and told you some different things. We'd like you just to, to turn that into something that is a part of the story, something that reminds you of what we were talking about. So as you, as you spend the rest of your day, we we're, we're actually have five minutes here. I'm not going to just keep you here. But as the stu- for the students, make sure before you leave church today, you just bend that into a shape. Create something out of that, that where you can put it, where you can remember what we were talking about. Yeah, Pastor Jeff told a story about that, you know, the football. Or, you know, Pastor Kevin told a story about this and, or the, this story. Just something that reminds you of what we said because it's so easy to forget. I'm going to say it one more time. What matters is you were created uniquely in an image of God. Don't be concerned about what everybody else thinks. Just be concerned about what God thinks. Let's pray. You want to pray, Kev?
0: Uh, Just before I pray. We advertised uh, Youth Sports Sunday on our invitations as the second service and the whole ice cream thing or whatever. Truly, you're welcome to stay around or come back for some of that fellowship and the kids. But we, we, uh, we got a special gift for every kid who is in attendance today, and, and uh, y- y'all count, too, because um, is Jill Brown in the room? Okay, if not, she's right out there. I'll find her. But um, all of the kids, if you'll find us out there, um, we have a gift for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for creating us in your image. Mm. We thank you so much that you are a God of fun, that you're a God of laughter, that you're a God of relationships. You're a God of competition and of um, sports and of footballs and basketballs and trumpets and all of the everything else. And uh, we, we just thank you. It's such a, an awesome privilege to be your children. And. Uh, as we leave this morning, we just we just pray that you would give us a mind that wants to seek you in everything that we do. It's so hard sometimes, but give us the strength. Thank you for not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-confidence. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
1: Amen.